Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to England Cricket on 99.94 Cricket. Every day, I am Daniel Norcross from BBC's Test Match Special, from BT Sport, from Wisdom Cricket Magazine, from Zero Ducks Given, the podcast that, well, I mean, everyone should be listening to uh, (laughs) when they're not listening to this, because I am joined, as I always am, I'm delighted to say, by, well, he's he's the toppest of notches. He's the puff pastry hangman himself. He's (laughs) looking... Bright and perky today with an almost tinting quiff of the hair, which is oh, lovely yes. to see. The chief cricket writer of the Press Association, none other than Rory Dollard. G'day. Hi. Hello there, sir. How are you? I'm okay. I'm practicing Australian because um, I've got to fly in two days. So uh, oh, wow. if I, every now and then I sort of slip into a bit of vernacular, you'll have to let <laughs> me go. Now then. Do you like England Australia on as a country to visit? Do I? Yeah, I do quite like it. I mean, they're a bit strangely rules-based, and they've got very a thing about crossing the road, which I find very strange. I mean, given that they all think that they're larrikins, and yet at the same time they've got to be given a hand across the road, I do find that rather peculiarly infantile. But it's, um, yeah, it's a country of many contrasts, isn't it? And uh, I get to see Western Australia, Tasmania, New South Wales, South Australia, and Victoria. So um, plenty of variety. Good on you. Now then. England Cricket on 99.94. It's your new home for England Cricket content and we'll be dropping into your podcast feed or on YouTube or indeed the 99.94 app several times every week. So please do rate, review and subscribe. Thank you for joining Cricket's Conversation. Today, we are going to be looking back at the seven-match, yes, count them all, seven-match T20 series between England and Pakistan, that historic first tour for 17 years. We're going to be trying to establish the style of play that England came up with. And then we're going to say to ourselves, well, if this is the style, this is the way they want to play it, which batters, which bowlers best exemplify and will in the well-worn and truly horrible phrase, be able to execute that plan. Um, we're allowed a couple of executions, but not too many today, Rory. What, what, what the contrast between the two sides, what I'm trying to get at, because it struck me that style is really important in today's T20. And, Sides play with a style, the, the clever ones, that suit their resources. Uh, rather than saying, well, this is how T20 is played, we're going to make our players play it. And you've only got to take a look at the batting averages and the bowling averages to realise that England went hard pretty much throughout. There may be an exception we'll come on to in the case of Dawood Milan. Um, the result was that people's averages and weight of runs were lower than Pakistan's insofar as, you know, Barbar Azam and Mohamed Rizwan, I think, scored over 100 runs more than the rest of their team put together. England spread their batter, their runs, if you like, all the way through the order. And they also uh, adopted a bowling approach which could sort of be described as we really want to take wickets, but if we don't, we'll sit in. Which is sort of, I mean, it's not a particularly great, uh, not particularly unique approach, but it is... An approach. So, is that was that your reading of it? You know, England basically come at you hard all the way down the order, and on the few occasions when they looked vulnerable, 
it was when the risks all didn't come off really yeah i would i would uh, shift the, the the discussion a little bit in the sense that i'm not sure this is a result of england managing the resources they've got to come up with this approach i think 5 years ago or 6 years ago they came up with the approach and they told everyone who was down a level to get up to speed and i think you're seeing the result of that now the likes of Harry Brook coming in and even Livingston to some extent a little while ago. I think people are coming in. Will Jack's a good example. People are coming in now having learned the England style before they got in an England shirt. So I don't think it's just that county cricket has chucked up a load of attacking cricketers and England have picked them. I think England set the, set the bar and asked people to meet it. Pakistan uh, play very sensibly with what they've got because we have found not to put too fine a point on it that their middle order ain't much good um really they can do bits and pieces and Asif Ali certainly looks like he's got something about him but his numbers weren't fantastic but as soon as Rizwan and Baba got out in that last game the deciding match in Lahore it was game over everyone knew it I knew it watching here thousands of miles away the crowd who looked gutted uh, from over number two and, and gave up the ghost, knew it. Pakistan knew it. The bats knew it. Sean Massoud, batting at number three, knew it because he didn't try and win the game. Now, if that happens to England, if England lose Hales and Salt or Butler, then Livingston comes for you or Brooke comes for you or Moyne comes for you. Liam Dawson might even come for you. It is two very different styles. It, I mean, it really is, isn't it? And I mean, it was kind of baffling the way Pakistan operated, I felt. And, but I wondered if part of that was due to the fact that so many runs are scored by Baba and Rizwan. I can't work out which way round the, the cause and effect is happening, basically, right. Rory. <laughs> is it because Baba and Rizwan are perfectly comfortable being 80 for none off 10 overs, thinking that they can still get to 190 and they've got a slew of really terrific fast bowlers in, you know, Hasnay and Shahin Jarafridi, if he gets back on the park, you know, Nazim Shah, similarly, um, Harris Ralph, fantastic, fantastic scene bowlers. So they sort of think we don't need to get too many. So we need to make sure we get at least just enough, which, which sort of justifies the cautious approach. But the result being that their middle order never really gets to bat for any length of time. So they have to tee off. And then, you know, I mean, this isn't a Pakistan cricket podcast, but it then did utterly bemuse me. Right? If you're going to play like that, you don't then put Asif Ali in, you know, after you've had an 80-run opening partnership and tell him to tee off. Because, you know, you've got to give yourself a chance to get an enormous number of runs. But, I mean, going back to the, the England style of play, um, pretty much everybody in that middle order at some point excelled. I mean, I saw people saying, oh, well, Phil Salt had a bit of a disappointing time. He did exactly what was asked for him. When he got Absolutely. eight off three, yeah. that was simply because the third ball he faced, the risk didn't come off. But, you know, that, that's what they want him to do, isn't it? And then when it did come off the other day in spectacular fashion, he gets his 80-odd. So, um, you know, that's obviously the way they're going about it. But where does Dawid Milan fit in this? Is he, is he an anchor? Or is he a biffer that takes a long time to get going? I don't. I can't work out quite what David Milan is, and I don't mean by that that I think he's a, a bad fit. Just his. I don't understand his style of play by comparison with everyone else's. I think he can be both. I think if they come across a sticky wicket that is needing a bit more 
sensibility and a bit more touch and and need somebody to hold hold an end while people hit around him, that has to be Milan. And I think he can do that. He can bat relatively long as far as T20 cricket goes. But where does he fit in? The answer could be Australia. Like it could be that that this series was just one for him to get miles in the legs, eat some balls, uh, and and hang in for Australia because with the extra bounce, the way he uh, times the ball, square the wicket behind square uh, on the offside, the way he pulls, could be that that he really comes into his own there, and that that's that's his real job is to. Be, be a potential anchor when they need it. But actually his strike rates might not be too difficult um, come Australia because going back to the idea that he was an away specialist, I mean, he was fantastic in South Africa, in Paul, back home for him uh, not long ago. And he can, uh, I think he can get away quite nicely. And I, and I think if you were looking at that series in its own bubble, you might wonder is Milan looking over his shoulder? with the hitting power that they've got. I think England have him inked in for Australia and they think he's pretty safe there. Well, we're going to come on to the the actual composition of the back lineup shortly. Uh, go back to the, the style with the ball. It seemed pretty clear to me that England want some out-and-out pace. We didn't see Chris Jordan at all, presumably because of injury. And he wasn't there, um, yeah. Although he was... Yeah. Was so that would rule him out almost entirely. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, yeah, it does kind of do that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he has... He has added an extra four or five miles an hour. Yes, yeah. Why am I mentioning Jordan? Well, he's he's being topped up at ninety regularly in the England yeah. season. Yep, and that's in large part due to the operation that he had on his shoulder. Um, Mark Wood, they obviously want him in that side because he's only played two games. But Chris Wokes was a revelation to me. Actually, again, played two games. We'll go into the details of how the bowlers performed. But if you were thinking about the composition of that bowling attack. They want six bowlers. What do you think that looks like? Does it look like pretty much every time Moeen and Adil Rashid and then a couple of bowlers who bat and then you're allowed a couple of bowlers who don't really bat but are the most effective you've got? And if so, what is that composition? Yeah, well, I don't want to preempt my 11 here. I don't want to go too far with that. But I think, no. I think the addition for the first time in ages of Ben Stokes makes things a little easier because the middle order that they had in Pakistan didn't really offer that extra bowling order, that that sort of top four. Ben Stokes is going to slide into the top four as a guy who's happy to bowl whenever you want to throw him the ball. So it kind of settles it. Whether they can easily replace Wood if he's not able to play every game, I, d- I really don't know. I mean, we've bracketed Ollie Stone I know he's not in the squad, has to be said, but um, we've bra- bracketed Ollie Stone and Gleeson as, as quick bowlers who are in that that bracket. And honestly, they don't touch wood. They don't come close the way he's bowling at the moment, just in terms of sheer speed. So they, that's a that's an outlier, really, in the, in the squad. They don't have anything that easily replaces it. But in, if we're talking about England's bowling methods and plans, they've really lent in hard to the bouncer. And, and, and that's not just Mark Wood. That's Sam Curran at his pace. That's... Um, well, every, everyone really has has had David, their... David Willey, even, Willey even, David, to even David Willey was doing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. and, and Topley, Topley can get it through. So they, they think there's something to be done there. And I think with David Saker is their bowling coach, 
knowing very, very well about the, the lay of the land in Australia, that can't have been accidental. They've obviously, I think we're going to see plenty of short stuff from England uh, at the tournament. And it, it strikes me that they also want two left armors. So um, every time they've tried to pick two left armors, they've had the, sort of permed out of Willie, Curran, Topley, haven't they? Uh, and they got Tim L. Mills as a as a travelling reserve, who sort of gives you the pace option as well. So, look, it, it's not a revolutionary method, but it's to biff like crazy from one to seven, with the possible exception of Dawid Milan. Jury's out on on precisely what his role is, and then it's a couple of paces, a couple of left armers, and a couple of spinners. So, with that in mind, we are going to take our first short break. When we come back, we will run the rule over the batters. I'm Daniel Norcross. And I'm Rory Dollard. And between us, we are England Cricket on 99.94. We'll be every week looking at the ups, the downs, the runners, the riders, the news and the views on all things English cricket. And believe you me, there are plenty of ups and downs. Join us, England Cricket on 99.94. So welcome back. To 99.94, we're looking at the T20 series that has just gone by and having sort of had a little investigation into the style of play that England like to produce, I want to run you down some of these stats from the seven-map seven series. What's almost as interesting is how many matches each player played, I think. Harry Brook played in all seven games. Ben Duckett played in all seven games. David Milan played in six. Phil Salt played in seven. So you take a look at that, that four. I'm leaving out Hales just for the moment, although, you know, he's part of the conversation, for sure. Uh, Harry Brook and Ben Duckett were England's leading run scorers with 238, 233. Milan, 174. Phil Salt, 167. Pakistan, as we pointed out, Rizwan and Barbara Azam right up top, scored plenty more runs than any of those four England players. But then there's a massive drop-off to their next leading run scorer, Sean Massoud, 156, some of which were scored kind of needlessly in that losing cause in the last game which kind of bulked up the number of runs he got. Although I think, you know, from a Pakistan point of view, he is a find. He is someone who will slot into that into that number three spot. But for England, Harry Brook now, he's like first name on the team sheet, isn't he? And I don't know what it means for Ben Duckett, what he's done out there. I mean, it doesn't mean that he's going to be playing in the World Cup, but it it does mean that they wanted to play him for all seven games to have a proper look. Yeah, I mean, Brook has just had a massive coming of age party, hasn't he? Like he's been on the verge all summer and he's finally got a little a little bit of road in front of him, knowing that there were seven matches potentially to play it. And he's made himself utterly integral to the point that he was hitting pace, he was hitting spin, he was hitting offside, he was hitting leg side, he was premeditating, he was switching it up late when the ball was different. And to see uh, the likes of Nasser Hussain on TV, call him a dead cert after 10 games. Not even that, he, you know, it was after four four games of the, of the series, basically. He said, that's it. Well, he has to play in the World Cup. And when you are looking at a middle order that has the likes of Stokes to come back, Livingston locked up, uh, Moeen struggling to get a bat at times, that is a pretty good achievement. And just looking at his numbers, investigating them a little bit more, so there was the 238, he had three not outs. Okay, so that's good because he he's not always, you know, he's sometimes seeing it through, which at that position is really good. Um, yep. 
Strike rate, 163. So that's higher than everyone, basically. Uh, the only one who came close it was, was, it was... It was higher than everyone, higher than everyone in the series, except Liam Dawson. Yeah, except but, Liam yeah, Dawson. Yeah. Dawson because he had, he, had, he, had, he had one innings. He basically yeah. had one over. Yeah, yeah, there was one, one over, over yeah. which he, for 24. So basically, <laughs> so basically he's rocked yeah. up. He's not just put on runs on a board. He's done it at a quicker rate than anyone. And he's topped the six hitting charts with 13. Um, from five, from number five in the order. And, you know, usually I think you wouldn't expect the number five to be that because you'd think the the fielding restrictions and it and it favours the top order. He just looks like he's made such a home for himself at five that it, it would be crazy for England to not look at him. Duckett did really super well and they've always been really keen to, to praise his efforts in this series. He's not going to be part of the World Cup, so that can go on the back burner for a bit. Probably he's more suited to this Pakistan series than maybe he would be to Australia. But listen, we said it before, he's done himself enough good justice that we can be fairly sure we'll see him in an England shirt again in the next few years quite a bit. I mean, he was quite waspish, wasn't he, at one point? I say waspish, quite wry about how people had said, oh, you, you thought I couldn't play spin. I mean, yeah. it was a, I don't think he quite understood the nuance of where people were coming from, which was mm. not that he couldn't play spin, but that if you open the batting in the county championship and then your first yeah. experience of international cricket is to open the batting in Bangladesh against Mahedi Hassan, it isn't, it's not really very fair, but... Yeah, I mean, he swept brilliantly. He played the spinners really well. Uh, but it was the innovation that he had as well. He looked very comfortable against pace. Let's make no bones about it. There were plenty of balls of spin bowled at him. But actually, Pakistan's strength really lies in that lightning pace attack they've got yeah. that's also got such fantastic variations. And he stood up really well to that. He he had a strike rate of 159.58, yeah. which is essentially what Moe you know, was striking at. Yeah, and what I noticed about Duckett as well in this series, he started really quickly, almost every time. Mm. He was he was so adept at getting a boundary immediately, just about. He he really did a good job of when when the fall of wicket came. He never allowed that to become a drag. He he, he did really well. I mean, yeah, he, he's he's done great. Will Jacks, I thought, by the way, on debut, he only played two games, and he's not going to be in the World Cup again, so he's not someone to to dwell on massively at this point, but. There was nothing I saw in that debut innings that, that made me think England shouldn't have invested in him as their replacement rather than Hills. I think he'll I think he would do the exactly the same job, perhaps better. And I'd, you know, that, that transition will happen sooner rather than later as well, I think. Well, that's an interesting one. So I wanted to go on to Hales, because this was sort of billed as his chance to come back and, and prove his naysayers wrong. Well, he played six games out of the seven. Um, he got 130 runs, an average of 21, with a strike rate of 141. So he was doing what England want to do. I mean, it's notable that it's a lower strike rate than Salt. It's a lower strike rate than Duckett and uh, Brooke and Moeen Ali. So in that top order, he's only actually striking uh, moderately faster than Milan at 132. But he was trying to do that job, and he, he seemed to do it ably enough, but without actually... Um, I say putting his hand up and saying, this is what you've been missing. It, it, I think you'll feel yeah. slightly disappointed. And also I think it means as we will come on to at the, the very end of today, when you come to pick the uh, England World T20 team for the first match, that where I thought before the series, it wasn't a shoe in for opening the batting with Joss Butler when Butler's back from injury, but that's why they got him back in. They got him back yeah. in in Pakistan and they'd send him to the World Cup because 
a World Cup. They want experience there. And I think if you saw that as an audition, you might, I think Phil Salt might have edged it because it also gives Butler the opportunity yeah. not to take the gloves if he doesn't want to. So with Hales as well, I think what we learned, I'm not saying because he could fly in Australia. I have mentioned in the past that those pitches might might give him a little bit more as well. But I think what we learned in this series is that five years ago, Jason Roy and Alex Hales did things that other people couldn't do. They were they were an X factor who, that couldn't be replicated. And I think we've learned with Salt, with Jax, with a few others, that Hales is as not kind of in the pack. He's and listen, people have watched him and watched Roy and learned from them and, and sort of put them on a pedestal and, and as the as the, the the class acts to to replicate, but it doesn't mean they haven't caught them up. And I think a few of them have. Right, we're gonna take a break there. Uh, it's our final break. When we come back, we're gonna run the rule over England's bowlers. I'm Daniel Norcross. And I'm Rory Dollard. And between us, we are England Cricket on 99.94. We'll be every week looking at the ups, the downs, the runners, the riders, the news and the views on all things English cricket. And believe you me, there are plenty of ups and downs. Join us, England Cricket on 99.94. Welcome back. So, Rory, we've looked at the batters. It's this bowling lineup, And I'm afraid I am... I don't know where I stand on it. I don't quite know precisely what it looks like because it's been so fudgy and messy. It's not that it's performed badly. Um, it's actually performed, I think, a lot better than England have done in the past. Their bowling, especially at the death, has been uh, very vulnerable on occasion. And that's been partly why there's been the expectation they need to score 180 upwards to be in the game. But they've got the batting to do that. Um, what, what did you make of England's bowling performance? Pretty good. We didn't, I think, I think we didn't see a, a really, a first choice attack at any point. They were, they got a little confused at times because of the mixing and matching. There was a point where David Willey played, but didn't open the bowling and bowled his overs through the middle, which I thought was really bizarre because I've never, never yep. considered that David Willey might be a middle over specialist a la Liam Plunkett, first mention of Plunkett for a while. Um, so I think they did fine. I think it was about managing the overs and, you know, not not getting anyone too too much, too many miles on the legs or anything. So Wooden Walks getting two games apiece was good. Luke Wood did did all right and, and might get another look, but it, it didn't feel quite as much of a of a straight up audition. It was more of a felt like more of a sort of get through the series and and see how you go. And so they did that but I don't know exactly how much we could learn about Australia from it. I, I agree. I mean, just take a look at some of these stats here. England's two leading wicket-takers, the two left-arm all-rounders, Curran and Willie, they don't feel like major wicket-taking threats, frankly. I mean, with a new ball, yes, but you don't... Well, Willie is, yeah, with the new ball. Willie, Willie, yeah. But they're both, both, both taken seven wickets. One, uh, Curran bowled 23 overs. Willie bowled 22 overs. Curran, fascinatingly to me, an economy rate of 7.47. He has the capacity to bowl truly dreadful balls, but my God, he comes back from them. I mean, a number of times he was hit for six and only conceded one more run in the over. Uh, he's a very, very canny bowler. We've already talked about how he likes to bowl it into the pitch. He likes to bowl uh, shorter balls. But if you... So bear in mind that they each played six games and they took seven wickets apiece. Between Wokes and Wood, they played, in effect, four matches. They took eight wickets 
eight wickets for 100 runs and an economy rate between them of about six and a half, better than anybody else on either side in this, uh, this seven-match series. So what I kind of learned, if you, if you can kind of learn it from such a small sample size in the case of Wokes and Willie, is that they would love to get those guys out there. They want them playing. In which case, you've got two more seamers, basically, at least one of whom has to be left arm, it seems to me. So where this leaves the likes of, say, Chris Jordan, I'm not quite sure. Can you play Curran and Willie in the same team? Can you play Willie and Topley or Curran and Topley? I don't know. I'm not quite sure if we've established that we can. We've, we have established, I think, over the course of the summer and this seven-match series, that Topley is an enormously handy bowler. 7.75, he's gone for, he bowls in the power play, bowls at the death. And he took crucial wickets. He got that wicket of Barber was an absolute beauty, wasn't it? Was, uh, was it Barber or was it Rizwan? It might have been Rizwan. It was an absolute, it was Rizwan. Rizwan it was an absolute uh, beauty yeah. in, in the seventh game. Um, and he, he has taken wickets regularly throughout the English summer. It was a feature of England's white ball, actually, that Topley was a wicket taker. And it seemed so important to England that he stay fit, that he wasn't in the hundred. Now, I'm just, however, I just can't work out how you're going to fit all these courts into a pint pot. Yeah, yeah. Well, I reckon that it's now fairly clear that Topley has established himself as the number one of the left arm options. So England have tried loads of them recently. They've got left armers all over the shop and I think Topley is the number one, his first choice. So, and I think in that first game, well, first game Afghanistan, I'm not sure, but in general, I think England might might end up having used so many left armers and had three or four on the pitch at any one time at times. Mm. I think England might go down to one in the first 11 in the World Cup and it might be if they go down to one it'll be Topley that's so, harsh on Curran though isn't it I uh, mean that's, that's another reason why it's harsh on Curran it is, is but it is harsh but geez, it's, it's it's something that if, if you fill in all those quotes into the pipe pot something's going to spill out over the well, top it, it is but I'm not quite sure it should be Curran for the reason that I mean there's so many reasons I think he's an undervalued player in his first full season in 2018 he was man of the series took crucial wickets against um, India Ed Smith has written about what he does for other players in the side, how their averages drop as a result of the fact that Curran is there. Um, but also, yeah, we haven't talked about the series in the round, and England really should have won that series 6-1. No disrespect to Pakistan, but the two games the two games that they lost by narrow margins, they bowled terrifically, they fielded terrifically, and their high-risk approach up the top of the order came unstuck. And it meant that they were left with a proper tail trying to get them over the line. And, you know, they lost their mind a little bit in that game that Liam Dawson got them near to winning and then they lost. But it meant that they had, what was it? Was it Luke Wood in that game, uh, Ollie Stone and Reese Topley down the bottom of the order. Now, if they're going to have the high-risk approach, they might want to bat a bit deeper. They might want Curran at eight, Wokes at nine, Adil Rashid at 10, and maybe Jordan at 11, you know. Uh, yeah, that seems that seems a bit a bit conservative in terms of thinking about ten and eleven, nine, uh, anywhere up to nine. I think you you can plan for. I think if you're planning to win a game from ten and eleven, <laughs> yeah. you're planning to you're planning for a miracle, really. Well, except that except that a decent ten and eleven would have got them over the line in both of those games, wouldn't they? Because yeah, yeah, but you don't you can't legislate. You can't. That. But it's I I just all I'm saying is I'm looking at these games and Sam mm-hmm. Curran, England's leading wicket taker, and. Well, he- their most economical bowler for anybody who bowled over 10 overs. 
Well, here's one for you. I think if Sam Curran is going to nip into that team, looking at some of the options of, with I've got the 11 scribbled on a... F- I was going to say a fag packet. It's a cereal okay. packet, actually. I want to hear this 11 because it's pair. really time for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but I think he might have to be vying for more in Ali slot. Yes. Because I think that's... In Australia, maybe that's the one that is available. Or it could be Livingston. I don't know. You know he hasn't played for a while. There'll be... There's a little bit of lead up time between those two and, and they, they are the ones who float in the order around each other and they both ball spin. So I think Curran has to be, I think Curran has to be shouting at, at Livingston and, and Moyne for one of those slots. I don't, I don't think he's going to get in, in the outright bowling okay. slots. Okay. You, you, you've teased me. You've teased okay. me, Rory. I have. Because I reckon we've got about another couple of minutes here. So yep. give me okay. your 11. Now, I'm, I'm assuming when I set the challenge, this is the 11 for a must-win game. Now, it doesn't have to be the first game, but let's say yep. it's a must-win yeah, exactly, game. Yeah, exactly, because they will change it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, and is this, is this, by the way, I flag up the fact there's only one change between what I think is my team and what I think might be their team. Okay. So, I would take Phil Salt. I think they might, think they might go Hales, but I'm taking Salt. So, I'll take Phil Salt, Joss Butler, captain and keeper. I think he'll certainly keep wicket, regardless of who plays with him. Milan three, Stokes four, Harry Brook five, Livingston and Moine dovetailing back and forward, uh, depending right hand, left hand. I've got written down Chris Walks ahead okay. of Jordan, but I think that'll be really tight. I think Walks and Jordan are, are pushing for one slot as well. Uh, but I think the fact that Walks starts really well with the new ball could, could go in his favour. And then we're having Rashid Wood Topley. Rashid Wood Topley. So who are your death bowlers there? Well, Topley, balls at the end. Uh, I think we'll spare Ben Stokes, the, st- the death bowlers in a tight World T20 match. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't seem very fair. Uh, if George, see, this is, this is the thing, actually, this is the tension in that last bowling slot that I've That's got, right. which is you pick, jo- you pick Jordan if you are banking on, on what you need at the death. And you pick walks if you want to hit with the new ball. So that you, I think there is a trade-off to be had with those two. Uh, and you, you take Jordan or, or Jordan or walks, depending on what you want to do at the end. Okay. Well, I mean, that's incredibly bad luck for Sam Curran. Um, it's incredibly bad luck for David Willey. It's not incredibly bad luck for Luke Wood. Yeah, but, I mean... And Richard Gleeson, because I think that they would be expecting when the selector, Rory Dollard, came to, to ring them and said, I'm, I'm sorry, lads this is the team for the first game, but it's tough on Jordan as well, isn't it? And I suppose, look, some of well, these I actually, decisions... I actually had, actually had Jordan written down on my serial packet and I flipped at the last minute. I haven't decided that one. Right. That might have to be a gut, a gut feeling call on the morning. But Topley is your man. He goes in there. Yeah, I think Topley's in the team, yeah. I, I tend to agree, but England will, will, if that's the case, we've gone from three left arm seamers to, to one in the blink of an eye. Right. I'm not sure yep. that I entirely disagree with you because I'm not sure how you do fit all these players in. Um, and with Liam Livingston not having played for quite a bit of time, I would say that that is an area of tension potentially. Uh, and indeed with Moeen Ali, because um, if Livingston can do a job as a spinner, do you need Livingston, Moeen, Livingston and Moeen and Rashid? That's, I think, where Sam Curran might potentially sneak in. Uh, or indeed another left arm quick in Timar Mills, depending on the, the speed of the pitches once you get out there. I mean, it's 
I say it's a good headache to have. It, I sometimes think that that is a slightly exaggerated phrase because really what selectors would love is that they had a fantastic 11 and didn't have to think about 12 and 13 and they knew that they were all going to be fit because then life would be very easy and they couldn't be criticised. Yeah. Okay. Um, now look, team, I don't know when we're going to be back, I'm sorry to say, because fans of uh, England cricket on 99.94, I'm flying to Perth on Wednesday, which is uh, basically 24 hours out of the game. Uh, so we're going to attempt to get back before the end of the week. And it may be that we have to mix and match people through the course of the next six weeks. We don't know. We'll have to work out time Squad zones rotation. and see what we can do. Squad rotation. We'll get some fine guests in if necessary. Or one or other of us are just going to be really bleary-eyed every time we do it. So um, apologies to, to all of you who will be looking at a particularly exhausted Rory or a particularly exhausted Daniel. Thank you for listening to England Cricket on 99.94. Cricket every day. Please do rate, review and subscribe. You can download the 99.94 app and follow us personally on at Norcross Cricket or at the RVD. Not the wrestling chap, the cricket chap. The cricket chap. We're going to put our links up for everything we do there on this podcast and beyond. Also, follow our network at 9994DM on social media. Follow for podcasts and commentary from the bat and ball world. Thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation on 99.94. We speak cricket. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.